ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Loop Podcast. This is a show that deep dives into what works today when it comes to marketing to the modern buyer. Today, I'm your host, Gaetano Denardi, and I am delighted to be joined by Pete Lorenko, the VP of Marketing at Haiku. Pete, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, Gaetano. Appreciate you the space with you. Yeah, appreciate you joining. Appreciate you joining. So, um, I mean, Pete, real quick, who are you? If you could give the listeners a very brief bit on your background and what kind of work are you currently focused on? Yeah. So, uh, I've been in the B2B marketing space for over 15 years now, um, predominantly high tech. Uh, I've been at Haiku for about five or six months. If you're wondering what Haiku is, we're an enterprise data backup and recovery company. Uh, happy to talk more offline about that. Um, and I've had a bunch of stints at other high tech companies. Alice, which is a B2B gifting SaaS company. Um, Avid, which was in the media creation and entertainment space. EMC Corp before Dell Technology bought them, et cetera. So we'll just leave it there. Um, the type of work I'm focused on, and Katana, you and I know each other well because you're helping me on some of this, but it's really a combination of how do I ultimately help sales be able to effectively sell more deals by creating more pipeline? And really the ways I'm focused on that with my team is how do we create more demand through capturing uh, capturing existing demand through high intent channels, things like SEO, paid search, conversionary optimization on our website. I'm looking at review sites like Gartner, uh, Katana, you helping me with affiliate and aggregator plays, things of that nature. And then, you know, arguably just as important is how do we create new market demand? Um, that's things like social media platforms. So doing LinkedIn and Facebook, Reddit, uh, we're exploring influencer marketing type stuff, obviously email marketing and nurture, different online communities, um, audio channels, so podcasts, whether that's us hosting our own or getting our CEO, et cetera, onto podcasts, things like that. So it's that combination, Gatano, of how do we create that new demand? How do we capture existing demand for our services? Pete, that's amazing. I love the breakdown there of the channels you're thinking about for demand create and demand capture. Um, real quick, what are some of the main issues you think are happening in each of those respective worlds and how do you think marketers can address like some of the most common issues with demand create and some of the most common issues with demand capture? Just what comes top of mind for you? I think the biggest issue that I have faced, and I think most marketers are facing first and foremost is all intents being combined in like one blended view. So it's, uh, I can't say the number of times I've looked at like reports or dashboards, whether it's in a CRM like Salesforce or a data visualization platform like Tableau or Domo, where you're looking at one view and it's like, hey, our lead to opportunity conversion rate is X and our MQL to X or whatever it is, all these conversion rates are blended. And the issue with that is the way I like to think about intent and what we're talking about is in terms of like capturing existing demand or creating new demand is there's different levels of intent, right? So to capture demand, what we're really referencing is declared buyer intent. That's where somebody has told me or you, Gatano, that they want to talk to sales, right? They want to take a demo. They want to get pricing or whatever it might be. Conversely, when I'm trying to create new demand, it's typically with buyers that may not have any likelihood to buy today or may have assumed intent. So I might be using a platform like Sixth Sense or Demandbase to identify potential segments or accounts that may or may not be in market and trying to effectively market and reach them through education, through content, through social platforms, through influencers. 
But the issue is when you're looking at everything in this blended view, you are potentially making decisions in terms of where you invest, where you spend time, et cetera, um, through a view that can be extremely misleading. So really what I think is most important for marketers right now is to split your funnel. Split your funnel between uh, website source leads, so things like demo or contact us or trial leads, things of that nature, separate from other types of programs where you generate leads from. So, you know, lead gen type campaigns like content syndication, content downloads like ebook, cold calling, or like cold outbound prospecting through like Zoom info list, et cetera. I would refer to as like lead gen sources. Then if you're running like targeted ABM or intent-based campaigns through tools like Sixth Sense, that would be a secondary category to have, like anonymous or assumed intent campaigns. And then I would have your website source. And what you're really looking for is what are your conversion rates? And then you're trying to optimize those conversion rates and optimize your spend for those. And Katana, as you know, because again, you're helping me with this. That's what we're doing at Haiku right now. Um, and no probably surprise to hopefully some of the listeners, declared intent leads, what we're seeing is those typically convert at like five to 10x higher than any other, uh, the, the other two. Anonymous, like so for example, 10% or 10% or more of declared intent leads convert to pipeline for us. Uh, conversely, anonymous or assumed intent leads typically convert between like three and 5%, sometimes higher. Oftentimes I'd say in that kind of aggregate amount. And then low and no intent, like content download, Gia's you can probably rift on anywhere from 1% or less, typically like 0 0.01, 0 0.05, somewhere in that range I'm seeing on average. And I've seen that across other companies too. So that's where I want to focus. That's what I have focused on my first five or six months here. And that's where I think most marketers should be focused in, in a topic like this. Amazing, Pete. So what I'm hearing out of that is really two themes. One of it is um, split the funnel. Avoid yep. avoid the blended reporting approach. Um, I, I'm fully on board with that. I've I've ranted endlessly about why that's a problem. Um, there's a guy that I really respect a lot. His name is Dave Kellogg. Mm -hmm. He also ranted recently about why this is a problem at the executive level when you're talking about ARR. Just like we're talking about blended conversion rates across the website and things like that, he's he's arguing that. Um, blended ARR, like final overall ARR, did we hit our number or not, is a good metric. But if that's the only part of the story that you're telling, what you missed is that customer success is, you know, underperforming with respect to upsells, right? Um, if that's a responsibility that they have to carry um, or that this part of the business is not fulfilling their end of the responsibilities with regard to driving referrals, Right. So you may have achieved because demand gen and growth carries so much of the weight, but these other areas where there's opportunity for revenue growth are lacking. So I, I love the split the funnel and, you know, really break out the demand capture versus demand create that you talked about there. And I think that's a good transition into the next part of this. So when it comes to declared intent, are we doing enough as B2B marketers to actually drive declared intent because one of the reasons why I think um, so many marketing teams are struggling is because there's a lack of, I would say, expertise and knowledge and precision when it comes to the techniques and the execution of capturing demand and declared intent. How do we, how do we think about this at the executive level, Pete, you're, you're a VP of marketing at a software business. What can 
or, or should we be doing to drive more declared intent? How do we get there? Yeah. So again, I think the first thing is sort of what we just riffed on a second ago, Gatano, and that is understand where you are today by splitting your funnel and understanding what your conversion rates are, et cetera. Like take a stock in where you are. And that's important because if you don't have the right definitions of the different levels of intent, you're potentially running the risk of investing in executing behaviors that may not satisfy the question you're asking me, right? So in terms of how do you or I potentially create more high intent inbound leads or in essence, more declared intent, I like to think of it in a few buckets. So the first is really uh, SEO. And that's how do we really execute that bottom of the funnel demand generation strategy, which is where we you know create content across blogs, landing pages, et cetera, focused on um, purchase intent level keywords, right? The types of keywords that we either validate through keyword research, et cetera, buyers are researching um, or using different types of strategies, research, et cetera, to identify those. Um, what I think is critical is if you don't have that skill set internally or in-house, go and surround yourself with people who excel there. I think SEO is an area where um, oftentimes you hire like a junior SEO person or you might hire someone that's got, you know, a couple of years and like, oh, they got this. And, you know, what I did at Haiku, what I did at Alice prior to Haiku is I brought in Gatano and I brought in some of Gatano's old uh, team members from past roles. And really my strategy was how do I surround myself with someone who can just up level our skill set in this in this category? And what I've learned working with you, Gatano, what I've learned working with Joe Mana and a few others is the just the world of SEO is so complex. There's so much you have to do from the keyword research itself to being able to translate keyword research to different, there's different levels of buying intent, even when you look at keywords and you think about the type of content you need to create, the types of keywords that have to be in it, studying competitors, studying what they're doing, understanding how dense a page needs to be. Katana, you and I are just literally talking about this like a day ago. Um, typically how long a landing page should be, even the formatting of a landing page, the margins. There's so much that goes into optimizing a page for search and then making sure that you're optimizing for time on page and conversion. So first and foremost, I think focus on SEO. And if you don't believe you have the expertise internally, go get someone like Atana. Um, contracts, freelance. Um, he's got a massive network too. If he can't help you, I'm sure he's got people he can recommend you to. But like, if there's one smart thing I've done, at least in my last couple stops, it's go and get people like Atano to be an extension of my team. All right, I promise I didn't pay Pete to say that. <laughs> this is quickly becoming the 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 G uh, praise show. Uh, thank I thank you. Me. You did not, but you I brought you my last two roles, so I would be admit, remiss if I didn't say. Well, thank thanks, Pete. I, I'm fully on board with with the <clears throat> like long tail, high commercial intent targeting with with SEO. Um, and you know, I, I, obviously, I've I've made a, a really strong career out of out of specializing in that function. But what's your take on paid search and affiliates for for demand capture? How do you think that falls into it? I think where like and Haiku did this before I got here. I think typically when we're trying to create more hot leads, demo trial, etc., where most marketers go to is spending a lot of money in paid search, uh, and and just seeing what you can get. And Gitana, you've seen our results. We were spending. And then we're not, probably not allowed to share on this call, so I won't, but we were spending a large sum of money and I can tell you our ROI and our customer acquisition costs were nowhere in line with what Katana or I would probably call acceptable. <laughs> At least I wouldn't call acceptable. And I know our CFO would not call acceptable. So 
the way I like to think about page search is I absolutely think it should be part of your demand capture strategy, but the key is going to be, it should be supplementary to what you're doing with SEO. In fact, those two engines should be complementing one each other, one another. Uh, the focus here should be bidding on commercial intent keywords that um, are really well aligned to either solution aware types of pain points and things that people are searching for or later stage stuff that longer tail type of keywords and stuff that are going to be more directly related to what's, you know, to somebody's purchases. For example, rather than bidding on, um, I don't know, cloud backup, which is such a broad keyword phrase, we might want to bid on a longer term phrase like cloud backup solutions for healthcare. And by just adding that modifier, yes, we're potentially going to be bidding on a keyword that's going to get less total traffic and potentially less total clicks. But Katano, as you know, the cost that we're going to pay for those phrases the quality that we're going to likely see from that type of keyword focus, both for SEO and paid search, um, and the overall customer acquisition cost and ROI I'm going to see from that paid effort is going to be tremendous. So that's you know phase one of PPC. The other thing don't forget is optimize your ad copy, optimize your paid landing pages. Um, one of the things that we were also kind of doing the a mis common mistake I think with paid search. So. Uh, we were we were just focused Katano on keywords. So we were just optimizing keywords. We were running the same landing pages. And what we were learning was our ad quality score was way off because the keywords that we were optimizing for, even longer tail phrases, did not relate at all to the landing page itself. So the experience for the buyer was broken. Um, so that's kind of the next bucket I like to focus on. I think the third, you know, in terms of affiliate aggregator sites, I think this is absolutely a no-brainer. It's an amazing supplement to the SEO paid efforts. Um, whether that's like a PC mag or business.com or tech radar, um, depending on the industry or, or the vertical that you play in, uh, there's no doubt likely different affiliates and aggregators. And I like to think of this kind of extension of like influencer marketing. If you can find the right affiliates to partner with, to get backlinks with, potentially co-market with, to potentially create content with, the amount of organic traffic you can drive, referral traffic back to your site, improve your own domain authority. I mean, Gatan, you could talk to that affiliate aggregators better than I can, but, um, it's really an extension of your SEO. And if you're truly focused on trying to create more or excuse me, capture more demand or high intent leads, SEO page search and affiliate. I look at that as like the foundation of your house. You've got to get those three, right? Um, the other one that I like to really focus on is conversion rate optimization. So it's like, if you're, if you're sending a lot of traffic to your website or to a landing page, but the landing page or website sucks ass, you're only going to get so far. Um, so Gatan, you and I talked about this as well. Um, there's tools out there like winter. I think winter is an absolutely fantastic tool. So, you know, one of the big focus things that we have again at IQ right now is we relaunched our website about a year ago. If you go to uh, time machine, you look at our old version of our site, it just, it got outdated. The messaging was outdated. The experience got outdated. So the overall buy experience, when we when we were evaluating buy experience through customer interviews, through time on page, looking at different metrics like that, we knew we had to improve the site experience. So we optimized the site experience. We created all these landing pages in like record time. Uh, but like Katana, you and I, as we started spending time on that site, we could just tell, right, that some of that buy experience wasn't where we wanted to be. So with a focus on conversion rate optimization, we're starting to use Winter to basically, and if you're unfamiliar with Winter, it allows you to identify your target buying audience and then to survey them basically on different web ex web pages that you've identified and get their feedback on is the page clear is the messaging hitting 
Um, does that image or something relate to the copy that you're trying to say? And the whole objective here is how do I make this landing page better? So if the goal of that page is to convert Gitano to a hot lead or to a demo or freemium signup, whatever it might be, that page is actually delivering the experience that you want. So for us, my big focus is not just trying to, how do I capture more leads from SEO and page search and affiliate sites and things like that, but how do I increase my conversion rates on those landing pages? Because that's free in theory outside of resources and time. And if I can increase conversion rates and over time drive more traffic to our site, that's like the holy mecca, right? Um, and truthfully, the way I evaluate conversion rate optimization is a combination of just looking at landing page conversion rates. Uh, I look at d direct and organic traffic to our site. And if those two trend lines are going up and I look at time on page, um, and if I can improve those metrics, then I know I'm on the right track. So I'll wrap this up by saying, I like to look at SEO page search in terms of conversion, but also is organic and direct traffic to our website going up and to specific high intent pages, like our demo page or our pricing page, et cetera. I then look at time on page and my hope is I can improve that. And I, if I'm creating better content, if I'm doing better work with SEO, et cetera, our time on page should go up. And obviously I'm looking at overall conversion rates on our site. And, you know, ideally I think the benchmark, uh, there's different benchmarks out there, but if you can be at least at a 1%, I like to be, you know, I don't like to aim for average Gitano so I can get our website conversion to like 1.5 to 3%. Now we're in business. And if I'm driving more traffic and I'm double or triple our conversion rate traffic on our site, like, your, your hot lead volume is going to just surge. So that's how I think of it. That that may be one of the most comprehensive answers I've heard on that question. P, um, <clears throat> phenomenal breakdown. I love, so there's a couple of things I love about it. Um, you're getting a full view. You're getting a full picture. You're getting the full story. You're getting traffic sources. You're getting leading indicators. You're getting lagging indicators. And you're really understanding the whole machine. It's not just cookie to contact or traffic to form fill it's following it all the way through down the path uh to pipeline and um i think that's one of the best breakdowns i've heard on like how to think about declared intent and the whole machine and the way it works now you know i gotta ask you the next part of this which is the flip side of the equation assumed intent so very specifically on that um how should marketing treat assumed intent leads? If you're optimizing for declared intent and you have a very clear CTA on the site that says, you know, talk to sales or, you know, book a call or whatever, that to me pretty much seems like declared intent. But what if you have other CTAs that are softer and they're not necessarily book a call with sales? Maybe they're, they're something like, you know, watch a video, uh, you know, walkthrough of the platform or get a product tour or, you know, see features, right? Um, that to me kind of falls into the more assumed intent. But how do you think about the separation of assume, assumed intent versus declared intent and treating those, um, those users, essentially, uh, those potential customers, how do you treat them according to the experience that they expect to get? No, I like this question because I'm literally like in the middle of it right now. And full disclosure, if you're listening here, so um, I won't name the platforms. I don't want to like give free publicity, but uh, we're adding uh, ABM platform right now, um, you know, in that demand-based six cents type of realm. And the reason for that is 
we want to be able to use assumed intent through data providers like one of those two to be able to really do the following, Gatano, to your question. And that is historically outside of hot leads or declared intent leads, if you don't if you don't use assumed intent providers or if you don't try to get more intelligent about who you're trying to reach and where they might be in their buyer journey, you tend to, at least by default, the way I used to do marketing is I try to bucket, I would bucket everyone the same way because you don't know, right? So you would run a campaign, you might produce a blog, an ebook, a webinar, and you just sort of mass spray and pray that entire list. And the challenge with that is, Gitano, you as a potential buyer, let's just say you and I are both in the market for audio equipment, because I know that's a big thing for you. Um, you're an audio guy, I'm like a emerging audio person who can barely string a a string on a guitar. Your readiness to buy a guitar is likely a lot higher because you're a musician by trade. You write about it. You research actively about it. Mine, you know, I'm interested in starting it as a hobby. But if I'm as a marketer just treating both of us the same way, it's likely that you might respond very favorably to the content and the messaging and the positioning, whereas I might be completely tuned off because we're in two totally different places. So my reason for bringing in a platform like that and I'll admit there's pros and cons. I'm happy to talk about the pros and cons of these platforms as well, is for assumed intent where I believe Gatano is actually ready to buy, then strategically what we're trying to do from a marketing campaign perspective is to align the tactics and the messaging to someone like you, Gatano, who might be closer to being ready to buy. So for example, we might send you a product tour. We'll focus on giving you case studies in feed on LinkedIn. We'll focus on maybe trying to go into certain communities that we believe buyers like you spend time on and offer up a best practice guide or different types of maybe it's the product tour again, or maybe different things that someone like yourself who's into music and maybe in a later type of thing, maybe it's like, uh, I don't know, guitar tips and tricks, whatever. Conversely, for someone like Pete, who may well looking to start a new hobby, but has no readiness to go to uh, guitar center or to Sweetwater and go buy X, Y, or Z. Um, my focus there would be maybe go and looking at different affiliate sites and just trying to create some brand affinity, uh, you know, creating blogs on like, how do you pick up a guitar? How do you learn how to start guitar? You know, maybe it's guitar lessons. How do you learn? You get my drift. Right. And it's, so I like to look at assumed intent from the idea of first and foremost, how do I split a target audience I'm trying to go after between buyers that we believe are ready to buy versus buyers that we think aren't. And then ultimately, how do I align not just tactics and strategies, but content and messaging to the different assumed stages? Is this 100% accurate? No. The whole idea of anonymous intent or, or assumed intent is you're using technology and different buying signals, whether that's from a, a intent provider like Bombora or G2 or Cactera. And yes, the theory is if Katano goes and spends time on G2 or Cactera, he's more likely to buy. But that doesn't mean you will. Um, but the, my goal as a marketer is to align tactics and strategies, case studies, pricing guides, uh, competitor. I think competitor research works great in late stage buying conversations. So if I think that somebody's showing buying intent, I would love to show them 
haiku versus Veeam or Guitar Center versus Sweetwater or whatever the reference is. Um, so Guitar, like as an example, that's some of the content I look at. That's how I like to think about assumed intent in terms of ready to buy versus not being ready to buy. And hopefully some of the tactics I touched on too. Like I almost think of not ready to buy as low and, and no intent, right? Like that buyer has no likelihood to buy. So to me, that's like content downloads and syndication type leads. Um, whereas someone who's ready to buy, that's someone that I want to experience the platform. I want them to see the product. I want them to understand why buyers have bought us. I want them to see references. I want them to see how we compare to our competitors. That's that's really the difference. So, Dude, I love the breakdown, Pete. So just what I'm hearing is find those pain point micro moments even at the top of the funnel. So your example on, on guitars, right? Um, if I'm a beginner that is just thinking about, you know, getting into guitar playing, picking up a new hobby, a content piece on the correct way to hold the guitar yeah. is, is a genius thing that you probably wouldn't get much search volume on if you use a keyword research tool, but just doing that research and, and knowing your buyer at each stage of the journey that they're at and aligning content type, content topic to the right channel of distribution mm-hmm. um, is really going to be the best way to maximize your your um, programs that are demand creation and assumed intent. So I love that breakdown. I think that's phenomenal. All right, Pete, we're at the end. Uh, you, you ready to do a little rapid fire? Sure. All right. So um, try to keep it to one sentence if you can or like just the first thing that comes to mind but um here it is all right something you've changed your mind on in marketing Mm. cross sell and expansion is essential i used to love it i love it cross sell and expansion um, that is definitely something most growth marketers, I think, probably forget about or don't pay attention about. I love that. Um, all right. One thing marketers should stop doing. Stop doing. Um, stop using blended conversion. Love it. Um, what is one thing marketers should start doing? Optimize your journey across your site, your et cetera for your buyer's needs, not for your own needs. So qualify leads, et cetera, should be for your buyers, not for how you're set up, for example. Love it. What is something that marketers should continue doing? I would say I'm a big fan of the push towards assumed to 10. So keep doing it, but utilize it properly the way I kind of described earlier. Love it. And uh, uh, just any brand that's doing great marketing right now that you're generally a fan of. I, I've i always been a fan of Nike. I'm a Nike guy at heart. I think you see it usually on calls. I'm like wearing Nike. Uh, so I think Nike is like the best B2C example. I think for B2B, I've always admired Gong. Um, nice. Gong does it fantastic. So those would be the two I, that come to mind. Yeah, great, great examples there. I love both of those brands as well. All right, uh, Pete, that concludes uh, this episode of The Loop Podcast. Thank you again for joining us and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Thank you very much. Thanks all. Thanks.